So, why are moms so special? What is so special about them? Pastor Gary kind of started talking about that uh, earlier in the introduction. Uh, I, I was looking at this website from the National Retail Federation, and it lets us know. Now, there's like about 260 million adults in the United States, and approximately 220 million, that's over 80, like 84%, are expected to spend $31.7 billion celebrating this day. So that's a lot of money that's being put into celebrating moms. 41% are getting jewelry. 27% get gifts of experience, like going to a spa. 57% are going to a restaurant. That's a hundred and that's about almost 150 million people. So that's if you're if you're if you're going to a restaurant later this afternoon and you're waiting uh, like two hours or something. That's why 150 million people. 72 percent of moms get flowers, and 75 percent, almost 200 million people, are buying cards for moms. Uh, kind of seems like we're all in on this holiday, right? So, so it again, just begs that same question. Do we know why moms are special? So if we, if we think about those uh, gift cards, you've ever gone, well, certainly they're, you know, 75% of the people here are probably looking at the aisle, the gift card aisle, and popping that open and looking at the messages um, or maybe adding their own. Hopefully you don't just take whatever Hallmark says and say, love your son or something like that. Okay, we need to put something personal in here. And if you look at some of the message of people, messages that you either find on the card or what people put in, we see things like, we are so blessed to have you. You do so much for all of us. You supported me in everything. Do you see a, a common theme there? I, I, I think you'll see words like we and I and us. Um, in there. And I, there is this kind of realization uh, that's very true that we are, we recognize and we acknowledge that moms have a, a, um, an impact in our lives. And, and we would say dads do too, right? But moms are, are, there's just something about it that we know that they have an impact. And this should be no surprise to us. God established marriage uh, and with it, the family unit. And he's given unique roles. He's assigned those roles. And when husband and wife are believers, new creations in Christ, and they grow in sanctification together, and they're pouring gospel truth into each other, and then into their children, that's really functioning the way God wants it to function. So I want to take a look at such a family. And this is maybe not the passage that you would normally go to on Mother's Day, um, and it was read earlier, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. I'm just going to read verse 15 here. Now I urge you, brothers, and this is part of the uh, a greater context. The context is, you know, uh, the, if you're aware of the Corinthian church, they, ha they struggled a little bit with um, exalting themselves, exalting the wrong people. And, and Paul's going to take them and say, um, I, I want you to take note of this family here. The, if there's anybody I want you to 
to admire, if there's any example I want you to follow, is there anybody, if there's anybody here who actually understands it well enough to speak the truth to you, listen to these people. And this is who he's going to talk about. He said, so I urge you, brothers, you know that the household of Stephanas were the first converts in Achaia and that they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Uh, this word uh, uh, um, know um, is basically kind of like y- you see it. It's evident. Um, it's kind of like when you say someone shows you something and they're telling you, describing something, they show it to you and you go, oh, I see what you mean, right? I got it. No more explanation necessary. And, and what he's saying is you guys know this. You know this family. I don't have to explain it. I don't have to convince you of it. You know that this family, they were converts among the first converts in Achaia. And they have devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Now the word for devoted is tasso, which is a, a range or a point or place. And they, they placed themselves or they appointed themselves to serve other people. So their conversion led to their devotion to the saints. And then that devotion to the saints gave confirmation of the conversion that had already taken place in their home. Uh, their entire household was a witness to what the gospel can do in a family. The gospel message had become their priority. It had really soaked into their hearts and they were living it out. Want to look at another one. Second Timothy chapter one, verse five. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. This is a real uh, um, neat passage because you're able to see a family legacy of faith in Jesus Christ that's carried down from generation to generation. So Timothy, you got it from your mom Eunice, but I see it, it's your mom got it from her mom, right, your grandmother. And, and the faith, it says, dwelt in them, and it probably still dwells in them, and dwells in Timothy. Now, now uh, Paul's uh, getting here to the end of his, he knows his end is coming soon. This is his, his um, uh, final instructions to Timothy. And he's surely looking at Timothy and the example of Timothy's faith. And he recognizes that this word dwell, this, that the faith was dwell, dwelt in Timothy. And this word dwell has to do with being at home. Okay, it actually has the word home is kind of connected into this word. So if the faith and gospel truth was at home in Timothy, it, was, it again is a reflection of what their home was like. That God's presence felt welcome in that home and in their heart. Gospel again was a priority. And that, is a, that really is the kind of the subject of this message. How do we have gospel prioritized homes? And this is going to be the first kind of look we have into it. 
looking into godly moms in gospel prioritized homes. And we're going to take a look at it in this way. Four understandings about biblical motherhood to embrace in the building up of a gospel prioritized home. And point number one or understanding number one is each mom has been specifically, intentionally, and purposefully chosen by God for each child she has been given. Uh, this, uh, this is a, an important truth. And I think that because of sin, because of wickedness, because of suffering, sometimes this, this truth can cause us a little bit of difficulty. But when God looks at your family, and, or he sees you and your family, and he's, he doesn't sit there and go, well, how, how did that happen? Right? How did you get in here in this family? Was, was, not, was somebody not supervising here? And they, they had this one sneak by. No, that, we know that doesn't happen. God deliberately pay, places each child and each member into a home. So, psalm 139 is a wonderful psalm. It's where we find that uh, the, uh, the scripture, it says we were, we were knitted in our mother's womb. We were fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and in this psalm, we find out that God knows who we are. He knows where we are. He knows where we are going. He knows our thoughts. He knows the words that are going to come out of our mouth before they're spoken. And if you look at verses 13 to 16, you get the idea that his hand is involved with every detail of our lives from the room, from the womb, um, our first room, but it's the womb, uh, through every day of our life. He's there. And it's important for us to grasp that. Uh, There's a neat uh, quote from John Piper. It says, what we think is random in this world or uncontrolled, the Bible says is from the Lord. It says things like Proverbs 16, 33, the lot is cast into the lap. And we would say, you know, roll the dice on the board. But it's every decision is from the Lord. That's taking a random thing and saying, no, it's really not random at all. Not from God's perspective. And that was John Piper. Uh, Matthew 10 is one of the areas that when I, when I, as I think about this, this uh, truth here, in verses 29 through 31, it says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. He, he, he knows about it. He's involved with it. Right now, there are a lot of woods out here in North Carolina. Surely there's a sparrow somewhere falling to the ground, right? But God knows about that, even that sparrow. And you would think from, a, from our perspective, they're meaningless. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. That's not that God's counting the hairs on your head. He's basically, Jesus here is telling us that God knows every detail about your life. Nothing escapes him. Even something as seemingly trivial as the number of hairs on your head. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. You're much more valuable to God. And the implication is that because of that, if he's involved in even the falling of a sparrow, he's going to be involved in every detail of your life. 
And, and so it is with every member of your family. Again, each of us has been placed in the family by God himself. We're very familiar with the passage that says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. The word heritage speaks about a gift, an inheritance, a portion that's given to us by God. And it speaks uh, to stewardship, and there are all kinds of implications to that. You remember when Jesus was uh, at the cross, and one of the last things that he did, he looks at his mom, and he looks at the um, disciple John, and he says, woman, behold your son, son, behold your mother. Jesus there appointed them together uh, because he knew that that was going to be needed. We, we um, our fifth grandchild was just um, revealed uh, to us um, just about a week and a half ago. And I, I, my wife and I like to say, we've, ha we've had this grandchild for over nine months. But, but she was just revealed to us just recently, just a week and a half ago. And, and when they take a, a child, and you know, right away they bring it to the mom, they bring it close to her like this. She could look at that child and, and maybe consciously think, Jesus is saying, mom, behold your child. Child, behold your mom for the very first time. And really take that as something that's really, really important in how that relationship is going to carry forward into the future. Point number two, or understanding number two. Moms and dads together have been given the responsibility by God to lead their children in gospel truth through what they say and what they do for the purpose of salvation and godly living. Another very familiar passage, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, if you ever heard of the, the phrase, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Right after that, we have a few verses that really speak to God's desire for the home. Verse 5 and 6, we'll start with there. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This is the greatest commandment. Jesus declared so. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Well, one of the first things in order to have a, a home where the gospel dwells, where the gospel is at home, where the gospel is prioritized, is that the father and the mother have to have a committed personal relationship with God. You, you can't love God if you don't have a relationship with God, if you don't know God. You're just knowing about him. And to know God and to know him in a real way is to, is to love him. And so um, it's important that we start there. That's the first and more, most important thing. There are some families where um, maybe the mom and the dad are not believers. They think that, hey, drop them off Sunday at church and be able to get some good in them, right? I mean, that's better than, than not, 
And that's uh, many a family and many a household has been saved because of that. But it's better for mom and dad or dad and mom to both have God's, a relationship with God. And then as they grow together, they teach that to their children and they instruct their children. The second thing is that these words shall be on your heart. Again, if they're on your heart, again, talks about that you love them, that you have a desire for them. And, and if you're going to have these words, you kind of have to read his word. All right. And does that mean just on Sunday? Or does that mean we pop it open? God, I think I'm going to read this today. No, if, if, we, if we are supposed to have his words on our heart, we, we, it's something we open up every day and we're reading and we read through the Bible, the full Bible. We don't read, I'm just going to read a, a couple gospel verses every, every day. I mean, that's, that's better than not reading, but much better is to read, hey, here's the book. I'm going to read chapter one through the end of the book. And then, then after I'm done with that, I'm going to read another book and so forth. Why would he want us to, to know that? Let's move on. Verses seven and eight, you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Them. What's he talking about? He mentions them, them, them. He, he's talking about God's word, right? At this time they have the commandments. This is the, this is the law that's being expressed. But for us, this would include the full counsel of God from Genesis to Revelation. So we, we're supposed to take those words and teach them diligently. Uh, the, um, I think ESV, uh, New American Standard, and the New King James all say teach them diligently. Um, another version says repeat them. Another version says drill them in. I like the NIV. It's probably the closest to the actual um, uh, word, it's impress. Impress these words on your children. We, we, uh, we sang a, a song a little earlier that my name is um, written on his hand. Oh, no, it's his, uh, graven on his, on his hands and written on his heart. That is that who we are is impressed upon in him. Well, he wants his word impressed in us and impressed in our children. Um, I think when I, I, we walk through the woods there, we, we can tell uh, where other people have walked before because we see a pathway, right? It's not written. You don't have to put a sign there that here's the pathway. It's going to take you to, you know, you just start walking and it, and you can see it. Other people have walked there before. There's an impression there because we, people have gone there repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly. And in order to impress things uh, onto our children, we, we have to repeat them uh, again and again. But that's not the only way that we impress them. Uh, it, it can't be just talking, although that's important. We, we see right here, how do we teach them? How do we impress on them? It says we talk of them. When? Again, on Sunday, just at the table, devotion time a couple times a week. When? It says, when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise, 
throughout every aspect of your life. You, as you live with them, you take advantage of every opportunity. You, you see a moment, what we call a teachable moment, or another way you could talk about it is a gospel moment or a gospel opportunity, and, and, you, and you teach your children why what this little incident is, how it's related uh, to God's word or how God's word speaks to it. Um, Ephesians 5, in Ephesians 5, we have this passage that says, uh, that talks about this. In fact, the actual words are either redeeming the time or taking advantage of every opportunity, right? Making the best use of time. It's look, care, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. And we just covered this uh, in growth group study. We've been going through this. And the idea is that time is uh, really our most precious commodity. I mean, if you spend money, you, you can go back and make some more money and you're okay. But when you sp- spend time, once you use that time, you can't go back and make more time. You only have so many minutes, so many hours uh, in your life. And so how you use your time uh, is very, very important. And, and when you go throughout the day, kind of the, the priorities of life can sometimes get a little bit skewed. And we may sit there and we go, oh, that looks like a gospel moment a teaching opportunity, but I really got these other things to do. And God's saying, there's a wise and an unwise use of your time here. Take that moment and impress upon your children truth. When um, we, we, uh, we have uh, four boys, and back when they were preteens and teens, um, they, they, uh, they were hungry a lot. <laughs> okay. They, they could eat a lot of food. And uh, there, was, there was this opportunity that we, I had every, every Thursday. So on Thursdays, there was a grocery store in Southern California. It's called Ralph's. It's owned by the same company that owns Harris Teeter. So on Thursdays, they had this opportunity Steak, chuck steak, sirloin steak, round steak. It was a different one every week. There was a special that came out on the flyer, Thursday special, 87 cents a pound for, for steak. Okay, so now you guys are going, wow, 87 cents a pound. You, this is probably before I'm born, you're talking, right? Some of you, this is about 25 years ago, 20 to 25 years ago. And every Thursday, and, and I knew when they restocked the shelves. So they, they had them stocked in the morning, but then through the whole day, they, they'd restock the shelves like nine or 10 o'clock. So kids are all put to bed and all that. And I'm going to Ralph's almost I mean, just every week. And I'm going to go the, to the shelves and I'm going to go ahead and clean out all the meat. <laughs> Figured they could restock it again. I, I'm pulling everything there, pull it out. Uh, and and, and the reason is that I had to take advantage of that opportunity because 87 cents a pound was really a good way to redeem the money that God had uh, provided for us. Great way to do that. And, and, and that's the same idea with time. We have to look at that and say, this is a, 
a great opportunity that God has presented here for me to use this time to impress this specific truth on my child. But you're not going to be able to be aware of that if you're not reading God's word and you don't know those truths. So see, all these things kind of build upon each other. And then we, not only will you talk about them, but we also bind them. Bind them as a sign on our hand and as frontlets between your eyes and write them on the doorposts of your house. Now, um, when the Jews heard this, I mean, they, they kind of took this literally. And they have this, uh, you can see this, these, what they call observant Jews or devout Jews. And they, they take this binding that they put on their forehead or their hand, right? And, uh, and they have little boxes. And in the boxes, they're supposed to put in a little scroll from the, you know, from the law, from the first five books of the Bible. A lot of them are going to use this scripture right here and they'll roll it up and they'll put it right in there as, as, a, as a very visible sign that they are obeying God's word here and putting his word on their right here forehead or uh, on their arm and they're binding it on. And you may have seen that little, uh, that mezuzah, that's actually the word here for doorpost. Um, that's a little thing and you ever see uh, go into a home they, they uh, nail it on the, on the doorpost. They're supposed to nail it on every single door with the exception of the restroom. And, and it's usually leaning in. And again, kind of the, the, all of these things are very visible um, signs, but they are, reflect something that's uh, a deeper. Uh, the idea being that if we have uh, God's word on our hand, that implies that God's word should order our actions, the things that we do. And if we have God's word right here, that means that God's word should order our thoughts and our desires, the things that we want. We think about with your eyes, you know, the lust of the eyes or able to make one wise, right? It's really, it goes to the, the very um, root of sin sometimes. What about house? Why would they, we want to have God's word controlling us as we enter this house? Getting back to what we talked about earlier, that the presence of God and his truth are at home in your home. It affects the things that you allow to go on there. The things that happen on that TV, uh, the words that are spoken, how you treat each other. It made me uh, think about uh, this idea of adornment. Um, kind of like we think about a welcoming home. And again, I, here we're talking about God being welcome in your home. And so I thought of this idea of adornment from First Peter chapter 3. And again, this is a, it deals with women, but I'm looking at, a, at, at this idea here of what is external and what is character. So it says uh, in first Peter chapter three, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing that you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now we know that what he's talking about here is that character, those inner qualities, virtue is far more important than anything superficial. It's not saying that you can't wear jewelry. It's not saying that you can't comb your hair. It's just saying that 
that's not what is the focus of where you should put all your effort. It's really about character. And I, I, I kind of want to take that idea and stick it to the home or take it to the, the idea of the home. It's great to have a welcoming home. You, you, you want to make, make things look nice for people that, that, that come into your home. You maybe even put up scripture on your wall, nice flowers. It's very welcoming. But what's more important is the character of the home. And, and it's more important that our homes are welcoming to the presence of God than it is for them to just be nice looking. Again, it's not to say that you shouldn't, I like a nice, nice place. My wife does a good job of making it very welcoming. It makes me relax, right? But it's much more important to set up the home to embrace uh, the presence of God. And, 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 and probably there's almost, I don't know, I don't even know if there's a better way to do this to set the tone of the home than prayer. Looking at Ephesians, Ephesians is, is on my brain a lot because we've been going through that throughout, through the, throughout the year. And Ephesians uh, 6.18, this is, this is towards the end. This is after he's talked about family. He's talked about all relationships within the church. He's talked about the armor of God that we need to be able to live out these truths. And then he sums near the end of this. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and making supplication for all the saints includes our families. We pray, we pray together with them. Just like we, we redeem the time in um, impressing upon them God's truth. We also want to teach them to pray. And so we pray with them uh, together as a family unit. But also we want to pray for them in our private prayer times. Uh, we want to pray. We, I, I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of families and we're one of those. We start praying for them when they're in the womb. And we're praying for them all the time. If there's one thing, however, I would, if, you know, if I think about what would I, what would I say to myself, to a younger me, if I could go, if I could do that, there is one practice of prayer I wish I would have done when I was younger. And that is to, to pray out loud for them in their hearing. Uh, we hear some people that, that, that have done that. You hear someone that they talk about how their mom, they could hear her in the next room, even though they were walking away from God. They wanted nothing to do with God. Mom was in the next room praying for them and they could hear her. And I hear testimonies of people say, I couldn't stand it, but I couldn't stop it. Right? We, we, we want to pray for our children, for what they face today, for their salvation, for their walk. As they get older, we pray for their their uh, marriages and for their families. And, and, and a great way to do this, and you may sit there and go, okay, well, uh, after you pray certain times, you know, do I just pray, oh, well, that they'll have a good day today? A great way to pray for other people is to pray scripture over them. And so just like 
Think about this. If you're opening God's word up frequently every day, you read that word. And as you read that word, let that word get into you. See how that applies to your life, to your children's life. That's a great way to pray. I'm going to pray what I just read today and and how that affects my child. You're, you're, um, you're praying and you're reading through Romans 12. You're going to start praying that they would love what is good and hate what is evil. That would be devoted to each other. That they would, you know, rejoice with those who are rejoicing and, and mourn with those who mourn. And, and, and that they would not repay evil for evil, but they would repay evil with good. You, you, could, you could pray those things for your children. Using scripture is a great way to pray for them privately, but it's a great way to pray for them out loud. Point number three, understanding number three. Children have to be trained to obey and honor their father and their mother. This may come as a shock, but they don't learn this all on their own. This is something that we actually have to instill in them. Again, this is part of impressing God's truth into them. They have to understand that they are to obey and honor. Ephesians 6, 1 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And Colossians 3, 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This is right. And this pleases the Lord. In the next message, we'll go more in depth into these verses. But I just wanted to go over a, a couple of things here. And we know both books are set up in a similar way. The beginning of the book talks about gospel truth and, you know, uh, our, our gospel privileges, our gospel wealth, what we have in Christ, who we are in Christ. And then the second half talks about our walk and our practice and our responsibilities. And... Um, both of these passages are similar, and they're in that section that's talking about how we live out the gospel that we've been pouring into ourselves. But I want to look at a couple of thoughts here. And John MacArthur, he gave us a, gives a neat little quote. He says that obey has to do with action and honor has to do with attitude. And again, this is fresh. We just covered this in, our, in the growth group uh, just the, uh, the other day. Uh, and, and so that uh, obey, the, the, the meaning behind the word uh, the Greek word here for, for obey is under the hearing. That is under the authority of what is spoken or do what is told to you. Okay. Obey what is told to you or what is heard. Uh, honor uh, deals with worth, with respect. It, it's the value that, that that person who you know, if I honor this person, it's the value that I attach to that person or, or the value that I, I believe that this person has to me. So, you know, there, you may have an item and like a fishing pole and it could be a $20 Walmart pole or a $200 custom pole. To some people, there's no difference in the value. But to others, hey, <laughs> Hey, I know that brand there. That's a, that's a valuable pole. That one right there. Yeah, you can use that. Go ahead. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Right. So, so this is the idea of honor. Uh, 
it's, it's, a, it's a priority, it's a weight, it's a, 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 a value that we have. Um, I want you to imagine a scale. So when you have a scale and you put anything on it, put items on both sides, what makes one go down? You know, what makes it do this? I mean, if I put 20 shekels here and 50 shekels here, you guys all know, shouldn't be surprised, that the 50 shekel side is going to go down. It has more weight. It has more value. Um, this is kind of the idea here. Something has more value, it, it, it has more priority in your life. I, I think I put on that, uh, that, that next to weight, I put volume, because that's another way of looking at weight. And it really, it, 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 it's, it's easier, maybe a little bit easier for us to understand that. So the way your side has more substance in our life. So if, I'm, if I am, uh, anybody that has a bit in families could know this. If you're having a conversation in a room with adults, and in the next room you have six teenagers, at some point their volume is going to go up and it's going to be hard for you guys to have a conversation because this volume is so loud. You have to turn around and say, hey, can you keep it down? Right? Because I, I can't focus here. That volume is overpowering what I want to do. You have a, a child and they're watching TV. Try, try saying something to them. Hey, they're so focused on that TV, you, you've got to talk a little louder. And sometimes you've got to go over there and, hey, you're not listening because the volume, their focus on their value is on what they want to hear this. Really, I don't want to listen to you. I want to listen to this. Selective hearing, right? As they get older, there are peers who want to speak into their lives. Um, some deliberately, some just, that's just the way they live. The world wants to be loud. The world wants to impress its values upon our lives. It's a constant battle. And so uh, in order for children to listen to their parents, they have to be instructed to honor them. They have to be instructed to listen to them. They have to be instructed that their words and, and, and their values have to have greater weight and greater substance because the world will want to come in and tell them, no, it doesn't. We, we can see this is happening in the news all the time. It's on, a, it's, on a, it's on the battlefield all the time where the world is actually saying what we believe is not good. Right? It's, it's, it's actually doing something different. Um, and in order to do this, in order to, to teach this, we really have to work hard because it's, it's not like a one and done you have to keep battling this. Understanding number four. We must understand that all believers, even moms, are on a journey of sanctification from brokenness to wholeness through the application of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Uh, this is an important one, too. So as we are, and this goes for moms and dads, but it's Mother's Day, so we're focusing on moms here. Um, as we're impressing upon our children truth by what we say and what we do, right? Talk to them, and then as you live out the day by the things that you do, your life is ordered by God. We're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And, and sometimes as uh, young people, or even in, com in communities like the church, we look and we say, you know, they're not really they're not really living out this part of God's truth. They're not, we can get critical. Children can get critical of their parents. And you see words like hypocrite or yeah, they're not uh, all as perfect as you might think. Maybe that's not spoken out loud and sometimes it is, but it can be in their heart and it allows, it can come in and, and allow them. And again, this is the, the, the lie of the enemy you know, do they really believe what they say? The enemy say, is, is that what God really has said? Do they really believe this truth that they're telling me? I don't know. Maybe that's an implication that they don't believe it at all. And, 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 and these things can be used to justify turning away from God. There's a, a passage in scripture that I think you'll be familiar with. Let me read it to you. I'm sure you, mo many of you know where it is. She is far more precious than jewels. She does him good all the days of her life. She works with willing hands and reaches out her hands to the needy. She opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. You guys know where that's from? Yeah, Proverbs 31. It, it's, uh, it's used a lot. Sometimes it, it's used so much, we kind of just like, oh, Proverbs 31, woman, you know, just toss it out. Not really, not really giving it the weight that this passage deserves. It's an iconic passage. And your Bible may even, if you look in your Bible, may even have the heading that says virtuous woman or the virtuous woman or the excellent wife. The, the first couple of words there talk about is, is eshet. Chayil, which is woman of valor. Chayil is valor or courage or strength. It's sometimes uh, translated as armies or even wealth. But most, most often it's valiant or valiantly. And, and just before you sit there and go, oh, well, because it says who can find her. Um, in in uh, chapter 20, verse 6, it says a faithful man who can find? So it's, uh, it's basically, it goes both ways. It's not that women, a, a faithful wife or a virtuous woman or a woman of valor is hard as any, like, well, that's, you know, it's a woman, it's harder. No, men the same way. The, so, so why do we look at this as the wife or a mother if it, the word actually is a woman? And again, back in that culture, if you're a woman of marriable age, you're going to get married. And once you get married, the, the next thing is you have a family. That was just the natural progression of it. But this is a, really a part of a mother's words to her son. So it's talking about King 
Lemuel, and we don't know who he is. Some people speculate that it's really Solomon, but we don't know. And, and, and his mother is giving him advice and she's saying, you know, hey, as you look at this, as you grow up and, and choose your, your wife, choose the per- person that you are going to spend your life with, don't go this other route. Don't, don't, and she gives him some examples. She says, instead, do this. And this is what the idea is. She's taking here at him. He's not yet married. This isn't his, his wife and he's looking back on her life. No, he's looking forward and saying, can I see this woman fulfilling these, these roles? When we look at the, what Christ has done for us as the church, and we've been going back and forth with the, the marriage being a picture of Christ and the church. And, and when Paul is talking about these, he says, husbands, I want you to love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Why? So that he may sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. And that he might present to himself the church in all of her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Christ, what he is doing his work on the cross, and the work of sanctification, he already has the finished product in mind. He's talking about the bride of Christ, right? He already has the finished product in mind, the church in all of her glory. So the idea here is from, from the beginning, God and Jesus already know what we're going to be like in our final glorified state. We're far from that right now. And, and I, I kind of want to look at this Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 in a similar way. It, it, in, in Ephesians, we have the husband and he's part of his life. His role is to be used by God in the sanctifying work of his bride. And, and he is looking always to the fact that at the end, he will see her in all of her, her glory because this is the work that God is doing in her life. And, and as a husband, he is being used by God in that way, getting the gospel in himself, living out the gospel, putting his gospel into his wife, and as they're sanctified together. Whenever he is going against that, he's actually hindering the work of Christ in her life. But the idea is that as we look at our wives we, and we look at even our children, we look at what God has placed in them and what, how he can use them and how they can be uh, used by God to bless others. So in, in uh, uh, Proverbs 31, uh, excuse me, yeah, Proverbs 31, 10 to 31, we have this 22 verse section. By the way, uh, we had just a few weeks ago, uh, Matt was talking about uh, uh, the, this, a couple of um, chapters that had this acrostic, this, you know, the Hebrew ABC, uh, Aleph, Bet, Gimel, those, those, each, each, each verse started with a different letter. Um, this is the same way right here. Verses 10 to 31, each verse starts with a, with a sequential letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And uh, what's very interesting is that on, uh, uh, and this didn't happen at the very beginning, this is more the last several hundred years, 
on Shabbat, which is uh, Friday at 6 p.m., uh, uh, there are different prayers that the Jews will pray. And one of the recitations is this section right here. It's the, it's the part that the husband uh, or the man of the home is going to read and in, in the hearing of his wife. He reads this 22 verse section. Uh, you know, at the same time, there are also blessings for the children. You know, uh, may you grow up to be like Ephraim and Manasseh to the boys and uh, then may you uh, grow up to be like uh, Sarah and Rebecca and Rachel and Leah to the girls. And then he does the Aaronic uh, blessing from Numbers chapter six. Uh, and, 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 and this idea of looking forward in their lives of the children, that they may grow up in the ways of God. Well, this, this, this recitation is going on with the wife too, in which he is blessing uh, um, the wife in her hearing. I'm not saying that she is everything that's in that that passage, but but hopefully as this this is this is going on, this hearing is going throughout her her uh, she's hearing this every single week, and the fact that it's uh, by uh, sequential letters helps with the memorization of it. And there's a uh, there's a uh, a rabbi that wrote something about this, and he and, and it was kind of interesting what he wrote, which I really think is is kind of neat. He says, I, I don't really remember how it started. Um, and it came my custom at some point when he's reading to point to his wife. When they got to the point uh, towards the end of Eshet uh, Chayil, where he would say, many women have done gloriously, but you surpass them all. And he would point to his wife at that time. Now, he wasn't doing that at the beginning. But somewhere along the process of living, he started to realize that the things that he'd been declaring into her, her life had actually, she had actually grown into those. She was actually living much of that out. And he began to point to her. And it says, as, uh, as, they, as they, they grew, the children grew, I was pleased to see that my children also pointed at their mother when I said you in the verse. I am even more pleased today for I have a son-in-law who now points to my daughter and a son who points to his wife. Not that these women ha, are, have already perfectly lived out these scriptures, but they are blessing them and encouraging them and exhorting them. I, I guess what I'm saying is that we are to see, keep seeing and looking for the best in our wives, in our mothers, in the women, in our life, even in our children, family members, in our community as believers. We want to look to them the way God looks at them. He sees them already, you know, at the end of that journey. And we need to start thinking about people in that way too. And really encouraging those gift, that giftedness that they bring to the community. Yeah, we make a big fuss on Mother's Day, and that, that's good. But what impact would we see in our homes if we have this gospel perspective of, of speaking God's truth into their lives for encouragement? Um, and with that encouragement, it's going to come a little bit of exhortation, a little bit of challenge. And if we keep speaking this way to our wives and our children and our community, 
um, I think it would make a wonderful impact. I think it will, I think it will change the way we look at each other, not in a critical way, uh, but in a, in an encouraging way, in a thankful way, in a thank you, God, that you brought this gift packaged in this person into my life. The more that we do that, I think the better it will be for us and for each other. Proverbs 31, 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. I pray that we will live this out today and um, pray for our children. In fact, I'd like us just to pray for our, not children, our, our, our wives, our mothers. If you're a, a mom, a wife, I want to say wives too, not just mothers, because this is, this is the kind of the, the thought here. We're looking at the, in, the lifetime ahead. We want to pray for you. All right. Father, we are thankful for uh, each member of the family that you assemble together. We're thankful, Lord, that your hand uh, is so creative in everything that you put together. Now, Lord, there, there's, as we look at uh, families um, and we look at communities, we, we confess that uh, sometimes we don't, we don't understand and, uh, we know that your ways are much higher than our ways. And we know that there are a lot of things that, that uh, tarnish the way uh, families operate or should operate. But Lord, we ask that you would uh, help us to be a, a blessing to each other and uh, really to be a blessing to the women and the uh, mothers that are in our lives that you would help us to be an encouragement to them in the words that we say and in the way that we, uh, that the, we hear them, that we listen to them, that we give weight to what they think and what they care about. Now, Lord, you would help us to honor them, not just uh, on Mother's Day, but it would be something, and even not, not just on uh, once a week, but it would be a way that we live our, our lives out and that we would bless them. Lord, we ask that you would just uh, make today a, a special day of celebration and also um, a day in which we decide to really commit ourselves to honor um, our, our mothers and our wives uh, in, a, in a much more consistent way. And that also, Lord, it would spill out, not just in this, but it would teach us, it would train us to take the same approach to others in our community of believers, that we would recognize that each person is a gift given by you toward the community for a purpose that you have laid out. That you would help us really understand this. So it would be, uh, we would be in a much better place to embrace what you are doing in our lives. And so Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. There are a couple of uh, questions. I, you know that as we, we, uh, we finish up and I'm, I'm saying, do we have opportunity to do that? Yes, we have a few minutes um, that we can take a look at on this uh, passage and you could take a few moments to discuss those now. That's, that's what we kind of do as a community after, after um, looking at God's word. But also I would like you to take these with you in the sense of thinking about them throughout the week. Um, first of all, think about just as a whole, there were four points and a lead up. Is there any way 
or in what way were you most encouraged, challenged, convicted, or otherwise impacted by the message? How does it affect your perspective knowing that God has purposely placed each member together in your family? And what takeaways come to mind from the examples of the household of Stephanus and the mother and grandmother of Timothy? Think about those and um, take about, uh, find someone that's near you, someone normally don't uh, spend a whole lot of time talking to, and really take a few minutes to discuss this. Okay? Thank you.